0: So uh, the uh, Stanley Cup qualifiers sure have been interesting, haven't they? Let's talk about it. The D-Geeks podcast starts right now. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to the club. It's episode 16 of the Deep Geeks podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Mersey. You can follow me on Twitter at TGM underscore play by play. You can also follow me on Instagram at that play by play guy. And joining me every week is the one and only Miss Amanda Zerkowski. Amanda, how are you in this week?
1: Well, I've run out of Kleenex to dry my tears <laughs> after Friday night's debacle of a game uh, with the Pittsburgh uh, Penguins. But... You know what? It's uh, we live to fight another day, mm-hmm. and by that I mean next season because <laughs> they forgot to show up. <laughs>
0: And we'll get into all of that in just a moment, but we do uh, have some more things to talk about before we get into the nitty-gritty as of recording this uh, podcast episode. It's a Sunday, so it's the final day of the qualifying rounds in the uh, Stanley Cup qualifiers. So we will talk uh, a little bit about the setup for the first round, and we'll also do our recap of the round robins and the qualifying rounds here for this year's Stanley Cup playoffs. But first, let's get to some major news uh, in terms of local hockey. The Ontario Hockey League has announced that the league is planning to return to play on December 1st of this year, uh, subject to ensuring that the players, van staff, and community are able to play and attend games safely. Now, obviously, Amanda, with uh, the OHL being cancelled, uh, well, the entire CHL being cancelled last year, uh, obviously was a huge blow to a lot of people, especially a lot of teams. That bought in to go for the championship this year. Sudbury was included in that conversation. The Ottawa 67s. You can put in that conversation as well. Uh, We now have an official tentative date for the OHL to return to play and so far it sounds so good but obviously there are some major issues that we uh, you know still need to examine for the next couple of months we'll get into that in just a moment but obviously you and I heard about the news when it dropped Uh, it's great news Uh, it's a bit of a different scenario but going forward it's still going to kind of be a regular season um, like we've seen in the past it's going to be a shortened schedule it's going to be starting a lot lot later and we're gonna see summer hockey in the Ontario Hockey League but relatively uh, it's still really good news that the OHL is planning to return to play what are your thoughts about uh, the Ontario Hockey Leagues press release for their return to play program
1: obviously having like a hard date as far as what they're expectation i think is of what the season is going to look like for that 2020 2021 season is is crucial at this point i think that there are so many hurdles that are going to need to be overcome before we get to actually dropping the puck on you know the season come december 1st as is their projected timetable um but obviously having a date it definitely give something to look forward to if you are a fan of junior hockey no question Mm -hmm. uh it's definitely going to be a little bit different you're going to see teams playing uh even more in their division than they have in in years past obviously we have to look at um there's been you know kind of rumors circulating as to what's going to happen with those teams that are playing out of the usa Uh, And what that is going to look like come this coming season, just because there's so much uncertainty still with, you know, border openings. What does this look like? Are they going to have to quarantine? Um, And really, December is so far away at this point that anything can happen from now until December. So being optimistic, I love that there's actually a date in place that they seem to have a plan as to what their their schedule is going to look like. Uh, obviously, 16-team playoff format. Uh, the schedule is definitely condensed. Um, yeah. So there's some concern there as far as the amount of games and the time frame that they're going to be playing in. But with them adjusting who teams are playing within their own divisions more, uh, it definitely makes for easier travel within you know, your division, of course. I think there's going to obviously be a few exceptions to that. Uh, when I heard the exception part, immediately I thought of um, the Sioux Greyhounds and the Sudbury Wolves being that although that they, they are in two different conferences, distance-wise, they're actually quite close. Uh, it's yeah. one of the closer road trips for the the Sioux Greyhounds um, for sure. And you know, looking at all of that, I think there's so many you know parts to this that are going to come together, but. I'm optimistic that we can have a season start December 1st and I know for myself personally um, just conversations about the the creative side of things that we're involved in uh, being on the media side with with the organization and and obviously the OHL uh, I miss that outlet and I miss being able to you know be a part of this and I so I'm looking forward to that December 1st date of, of having something hopefully to be able to talk about and, you know, hopefully lay some up is back on the air at that point. Uh, mm-hmm. It definitely changes what our schedule is going to look like. Cause, because typically our season launches with the season launch for Eastlink community TV and that's in October. So yeah, definitely uh, a whole lot of questions come out of this, but I think that they have a really great framework of what they're looking at and, I think that the part about the fans, I think shooting for December is really optimistic on the part of the CHL, but again, we're months away from that. So a lot can happen and, and hopefully we just don't end up in a situation like we're seeing in Australia where things are under now super strict lockdown after Mm -hmm. basically eradicating COVID in that area. So fingers crossed kids go back to school. We don't have too many issues or flare ups and uh, smooth sailing until December. And then we see some junior hockey.
0: The details we have from this article, at least for now is the season will include 64 games compared to 68 so they're condensing it by four games which isn't that much of a deduction but at least you're still getting 60 plus games in and as you alluded to the 16 uh, team playoff format remains intact uh, the regular season is scheduled to end on thursday april 29th of 2021 and the memorial cup will be taking place from june 17th to june 27th uh and it will be hosted by either the oshawa generals or or the Sioux Greyhounds. We'll get into our opinion of who will most likely host next, but Amanda, you brought up the point about the American teams. This is the part that concerns me a lot, because the United States is not in the best of shape right now. Uh, The borders remain closed, at least for the time being, and obviously the Ontario Hockey League is going to work with uh, local government health agencies uh, to try and work around this to see if there's a way that We can either get the borders reopened or, as people are suggesting, uh, bring the American teams over and have them play inside of a bubble or at another team's rink. That would obviously have to, I would imagine, readjust the game schedule and it would make things a lot harder. But if it's the safest bet, then the OHL might have to pull the trigger on it. And I forgot to mention, um, I was actually having lunch with Brian Cooper uh, the other day, of course, my broadcast partner with the Wolves. And we were talking about, you know, the OHL announcing the return to play program. We're obviously very optimistic about it. But there's going to be a lot of different things going into the season. Obviously, social distancing comes into factor. Uh, the players probably won't be able to do as much as they used to. So probably, you know, possibly no team parties, no team functions. It's going to be get to the rink and get back home as soon as possible. There's obviously going to be a lot of restrictions on play here. And for the American-based teams, I feel like it's going to be the same thing, whether they play in their home cities or not. It's going to be tough because you have three American-based teams, you take them out, you are down to a 17-team league, which doesn't balance out the conferences and divisions very well. So it's going to be really tough for the OHL to make a decision at this point. Obviously, nothing is set in stone yet. Let's emphasize that. Nothing is set in stone yet. This is just a tentative date, and the OHL is still working around this. So we don't know if the season's going to come back and if it's going to come back, as they say. Over the next few months, it's going to be interesting to see what the OHL does but in terms of the American teams, it's a really tough situation. But again, Amanda, there is still a lot of time to work around this and see what kind of state the United States is going to be in, and if these American-based teams can play in their home rinks.
1: Absolutely, and you know, we look at what the NHL is doing, and and is doing extremely well right now with this bubble that they've created. Uh, the NBA as well, we're seeing really smart decisions. And then you, you look at the major league baseball and it's like a dumpster fire i think is the best don't (laughs) even get me started man (laughs) to describe you know kind of what they're doing you know games getting canceled and all this great stuff but when you look at the nhl and let's compare just to the nhl right now because obviously hockey we're talking hockey we're talking ohl um they've created this bubble well in an ohl situation or in a chl situation as a whole That is not really an option because you have to remember these guys are, well, they're not, they're they're young kids. They're 16 years old. They need to go to school. So Mm -hmm. it's not just playing hockey. So creating a bubble is not really going to be a viable solution for them. So Especially
0: for the regular season. It's not going to work. Absolutely. That's the the thing. It works for playoffs, but for the regular season, it will not work.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Because during playoffs – Obviously, players are still expected to go to school and and keep up with their studies, but we're in a different scenario because the games are more condensed as far as time frame. When we're looking at a regular season, they are playing typically Thursday to Sunday, you know, somewhere in that time frame. You might have an odd Tuesday night game. Uh, you know, depending on where you are, if you're in Kitchener or London, I believe Owen Sound, uh, some of those teams play on Tuesday nights. And, and then
0: sometimes here or in the Sioux as well.
1: Correct. So stuff like that. But that's once, you know, every couple months within the regular season. So that's not the, the norm situation. So these kids are attending school. Um, it's not a, a situation like the NHL is where you can just, OK, we're going to rent out. Two hotels, you know, in one city, and everybody's going to be in those two hotels. Teams have limited number of, uh, you know, personnel that they can bring in. It it doesn't work in the CHL, and it doesn't work because it's a development league. These kids are too young. It's not the same situation. So,
0: and they don't make money like NHL players do as well. Absolutely
1: not. So, and that's where I think th- when you said nothing set in stone, it really nothing is set in stone because over the next four months. The league is going to have to continue, you know, to work with local government and local health agencies, finalizing all these details. Uh, you know, right now, having teams go and travel to the states is not a viable option.
0: Not at this point. So,
1: you know, again, we're four months out from this. So a lot can happen in four months and hopefully it does go the road of positive, you know, change, uh, as to how, you know, the world is really handling COVID at this point. Uh, and hopefully we see, you know, that progression over the time frame here as we're coming to that point, because the other thing is, is typically mid August or end of August is when guys are reporting to training camps. Mm-hmm. Well, now you've got guys that are starting school in the city that they're going to be playing in now they're going to be starting school in their hometowns. They're going to be going until basically, well, until they're able to start, um, training camp. I completely lost the name. <laughs> I was like <sighs> that thing where they play, you know, you know, um, the
0: thing yeah. where they do the hockey. <laughs> uh,
1: so, showing up to training camp it's going to be a little bit of a different scenario because when they come to training camp, these guys don't have really anything else on their mind, but I'm coming to training camp to prove, you know, that I have the ability to play and I'm mm-hmm. earning a spot on the team because, you know, a lot of these guys are leaving home. Yes, you have your core group of people, but there are spots available and they're for the taking. So when they're coming for something like that, and the focus is all about hockey because, this the school stuff that'll come once we figure out whether or not you know you're on the team now you're bringing players in in a different time where you know come december that's the end of first well you're almost at the end of first semester in high school because they're writing exams in january so mm-hmm. the focus doesn't become just on the game and and it definitely adds another layer to this for a lot of players and I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting. I'm excited to see what happens over the next four months, because I think that there are just so many pieces that are going to have to come together. Right. And, and we know, yeah. obviously, the situation in the US, like what's going to happen and so many unknowns. And we've talked so much about the unknowns over the last, let's call it seven, eight episodes that we've done. But the reality is, is that things are changing by the hour in some cases. And, you know, you kind of have to sit back and just take it all in and be like, okay, whatever's going to happen is going to happen at this point. So Mm -hmm. hopefully December 1st, we see Pup drop on a regular season for the Ontario Hockey League.
0: Now, the other part of this, Amanda, obviously is um, if there's going to be fans or not. And I just wanted to bring this up. Uh, because I've seen this on social media a lot, whether it be Facebook or Twitter, uh, and the majority of it is obviously from the Wolves fan base. You know, obviously the Wolves fan base has gone through a lot. Is that fair to say? Um, They they haven't really seen a winning culture in the city for a long time. Obviously, the Wolves are taking a step in the right direction over the last couple of years, but there are people worried that they won't be able to see these games in person And people are making the argument saying the Wolves make the basis of their money off of the fans and the merchandise. Now, while that part may very well be true, there are people saying, and I hate having to say this because I don't want this to be a reality and I don't think it will be, is people will think if the OHL goes through with no fans in the stands, the Wolves will not survive and will relocate. And I'm going to stop people right now. This team has been in the league for almost 50 years. They're coming up on the 50th anniversary very soon. This team is going nowhere. And I I am going to fight for this club until the day I die. Or the, you know, until the day I die. Yeah. I've grown with this team for over 24 years. I have seen a lot of ups with this team and a lot of downs. But not once did I ever think... Man, this team is going to relocate if they really suck, aren't they? No, this team will not be going anywhere. Where the hell are you going to move them? Really? You think a a great owner like Dario Zulich is going to move a profitable team because of one season with no fans? Absolutely not. This team's not going anywhere.
1: Yeah, and, and you bring up an interesting point because, you know, the ticket sales side of things, because the arena is owned by the city, there is a portion of the sale of each ticket that goes to the city, which helps with the operating costs, obviously, of of having an arena. Uh, this is not an arena that is owned uh, by the team or by an individual. It is owned by the city. So when you look at the way that the makeup of of this team is, as well as who the owner is of this hockey club – Dario is committed that he wants to keep this team. Here, he wants this team to be a championship team and he's willing to invest the time, energy and money into that. Now, the interesting part about this though is if you look at the CFL right now and they're asking, you know, for a bailout essentially because teams can't make money without people sitting in the stands. And yeah. and and there's a very good argument to this and the reality is is that Come December, if fans are not able to sit in the stands, is there an OHL season or a CHL season at that? Because these teams need to have revenue coming in. It is completely different. Uh, not that the NHL is that different in the sense that you need to have people sitting in your, the stands to to make money and to be able to pay, you know, the the millions of dollars in, in salaries, but teams, the, the profit margin for an OHL team is, is not huge. Um, the, as far as money is concerned, my understanding is that the Sudbury Wolves have not been a profitable team. Uh, in the last couple of years, we've seen the number of fans uh, go down not just over the last couple of years, but over some time, you know, the number of season ticket holders is down. But when we look at that and you look at, you know, the financial aspect of the game and not what's happening on the ice, but everything that's happening, you know, kind of behind closed doors and in the offices, it's, it tells a little bit of a different story. So from my perspective, I know that if I'm a family and you are bringing your kids to the game the tickets have increased in price every year. Yeah. Uh, now, they're not going to get the revenue from that, but my kids, the first thing that they want when they get into that arena is food, and then they yep. they want merchandise. Every time. Mm-hmm. Every time we go to the game, and it drives me nuts because I'm like, you guys are wearing <laughs> yeah. jerseys, you have t-shirts on underneath, and then you have a There's food in under, the
0: press box but- for God's sakes. Yeah, like Come on. <laughs>
1: But they're fully decked out in gear. And every time we go, it's like, well, what else is there? What else can we buy? And, you know, <laughs> it's on the Christmas wish list. Like, I want the, you know, the Wolves jersey and I want this. And, I, okay, that's great. And, and that's the thing is that you get kids into an arena Man, do they cost parents a lot of money? Mm,
0: yeah, I, I can relate to that because I was that kind of person <laughs> when I first started going back to Wolves games. You know,
1: and and kids want to go to the the pro shop and they want to buy the you know the pucks and and all this great stuff. It, it there's so much money that gets you know transferred from fans to teams from the merchandise, depending on whether or not they run the the concession stands. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on. And it it's such a complex, you know, organization. It's not just, uh, oh, yeah, we're making tons of money. It's OK. But these are the factors that play into all of that. And not having fans in the seats, I think, could be something that puts potentially a stop to the season for the CHL because of the fact that those teams rely on that money in order to be able to pay. You know, in the case of uh, ice time with the um, the Sudbury Wolves, like just because the Sudbury Wolves play out of the Sudbury Arena does not mean, oh, they don't pay for ice time. Well, no, there's a huge bill associated with that ice time. Oh, yeah. You know, don't tell so, me about it. You know, just, okay, wrap your head around this. So, Minor Hockey is now sending out. Some estimates of costs associated to playing this coming season, and instead of having a registration fee of seven fifty, I believe that's what I paid last year for registration for Colby. Mm-hmm. They're now coming back with two to four hundred dollars per month as Whoa. as a cost because ice time has gone up as far as uh, you know the cost of renting the ice. The number of players that are allowed to play minor hockey at one time, they're looking at a more of a three-on-three style, potentially even just drills. So now everything is more expensive. So when you transfer that to the CHL and to the OHL in particular, and we're talking about Sudbury, costs have gone up. Now you're going to keep travel within your own, you know, basically division for the most part, yes, okay, that can lower some of your travel costs and you're going to be able to maybe not have to stay in a hotel room, you know, one or two nights out of a weekend. But overall, the team relies on having money coming in. And if there is no money coming in, it poses the question, This is a really long-winded answer, I get that, but Mm -hmm. it, it comes back to is there going to be money to sustain a CHL season Period. Forget about which team it is, if there is no money coming in. And and I think that that poses a really good and big question for the overall picture of, of the health of the, the game and, and the teams of, financially speaking, of what is going to happen in December.
0: Yeah. Uh, could it be a financial problem for the Wolves if there's no fans? Yes, it very well could possibly be. It could be a financial crisis for a lot of teams. Let's take North Bay into into uh into this factor. They've yeah. only been in the league for about 5 years and attendance is way down compared to oh, the first 3 tennis. seasons that they were here. They're struggling to find money, but you know what? They're confident that they're going to keep this team there. But Scott you know, Abbott trying to, to trying to compare them to like see a team like London or Mississauga is yeah. comparing apples to oranges. Absolutely. Mississauga and London make millions. Based off of their corporate sponsors alone. That's why in places like Mississauga, they're so empty in the buildings. It's not because hockey fans don't care about hockey there. It's because the corporate sponsors pay for those seats pre-game, and people don't have to go. They make their money with empty seats, Mm -hmm. which I know sounds like a bit of an oxymoron, but with the corporate sponsors in Mississauga, it pays for that team alone. And that's why they are still in Mississauga. And again, comparing let's say the wolves or the battalion to the London Knights in terms of financial standpoint is comparing apples to oranges.
1: Absolutely. Because you're, you know, small market teams. And when, when I say small market teams, North Bay is the perfect example. You know, you have a city that when they brought the battalion back to North Bay, there was a, a three year lock in for uh, season ticket holders. So if you were no. purchasing, you had to lock in for three years. Well, the second those three years were up, attendance took a nosedive. Oh, yeah. A big one. And it's not it's not that it's a bad place to go and watch a hockey game. I no, actually, absolutely I not. I, enjoyed, I, I just want to emphasize
0: yes. this is not a harp on North Bay fans no. at all. The no, no, North no, no. Bay fans are some of the best hockey fans in the Ontario Hockey League. They support that team. But the thing is, Amanda, and I'll let you continue your point. The problem is some fans don't support a winning culture. And that was a humongous problem this year. That obviously relates to the loss of money probably this year. But people still care about this team. And there's a reason why this team is here. And why they moved them from Brampton back to North Bay.
1: Absolutely. Honestly, I think North Bay is probably one of my favorite places to go. As far as a small market venue. To go and, and in watch. terms
0: of the food, best. Oh
1: <laughs> the media room food there is absolutely fantastic. Shout out to them. Kiss. Yeah, it is <laughs> unbelievable. They always put out a nice uh a nice spread for the media. But uh no, I, I think that a lot of it comes down to to is when you're evaluating costs. I know for our family, when I look at post COVID or costs related to i may not be going out and buying four season tickets for my family obviously with we have our media passes but we pay for tickets for the kids we pay for the tickets for jeff like i don't get free tickets it's we're paying for tickets so even though i'm volunteering my time you know, with with EastLink, it's costing me a hundred bucks a game just for my kids to get in and Jeff to get in. So when I look at that, I've been off work since March. Uh, I'm hopefully going back in September. Um, but is that the first thing that I'm going to run out and do? Is buy season tickets? Probably not. We'll probably be mm-hmm. a bit more selective if we are able to be in person come December that will be a bit more selective with how many games they get to go to this year, just because I, I mean, and I know I'm not the only person that's in that situation, you know, Wolves games are attended quite heavily with families. uh, And there are going to be many families that have been affected, obviously financially uh, as because of COVID and, that disposable income that they may have had in order to be able to go to a a Wolves game or, you know, go to an NHL game or travel or, you know, do all those extra little things. It may not be there. And I think it's going to take a little bit of time to get the economy restarted. And when you look at this, even though it's a passion and it's still an entertainment thing for a lot of families and, Yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be different for a little while. And whether you're a small market team or even a large market team, like you said, corporate sponsorship, this is where it becomes so key to these big hockey clubs. But then you Mm. look at it, too. Do corporate sponsors maybe pull back just a little bit if because obviously TV is not the same. You're, You're not getting the same exposure from an OHL game as you would an NHL game when it comes to corporate sponsorships. So you got you got to look at all of that. Like I think that there's so much beyond just hey, we've decided that uh, you know public health units it's safe for us to drop the puck, but we can't have any fans. Well, there's so much to it, right? It's there's a lot. There's much more to this. Oh yeah, big time.
0: So I and again. We're going to emphasize this. There's still a lot of time left. Nothing is set in stone at this point. And I have full confidence in Commissioner David Branch working with, you know, obviously the big market teams, but the small market teams to ensure that we can be able to safely have fans back in the stands because that's where uh, a majority of their money will come from, whether it's in North Bay or Sudbury or Sault Ste. Marie. Uh, Obviously money comes in from fans, buying from the concessions, buying the merchandise and whatnot. And if you take that away, obviously it's going to be a huge blow. And we're going to see what happens down the road. Uh, But we're excited that the OHL has announced that there's going to be a return to hockey. Uh, At least for now, we'll see what kind of changes they make. And if there's any changes... We will uh, be sure to let everyone know. Now, Amanda, before we move on to the NHL, uh, let's get to the last bit of duty here for the Ontario Hockey League. Obviously, uh, the OHL is hosting the Memorial Cup this year. Obviously, it was supposed to be in Kelowna this past season, but due to COVID, that had to be uh, canceled, which was a huge blow for the city of Kelowna because they've been waiting so damn long to be hosting this tournament, and it got taken uh, away from them like a carpet swept out from underneath their feet. Uh, you know, they could very well host it again down the road. Maybe when the WHL hosts it again, they'll be the immediate front runner for it, but we'll have to wait and see. But obviously with the OHL hosting it this year, it's down to two candidates. That would be the Oshawa Generals, which would be at the Tribute Community Center, which I have been to. I've been to both of these arenas, I should mention. Oshawa's facility is absolutely gorgeous Uh, and the other OHL team is the Sioux Greyhounds which of course is the GFL Memorial Gardens which again is another beautiful facility and they're both very capable of hosting the Memorial Cup I just want to get your opinion really quickly which team do you see as the front runner if the OHL does complete the regular season and playoffs who is going to host this year's MasterCard Memorial Cup? (laughs)
1: I personally would love to see the Memorial cup uh, in Sault Ste. Marie um, hosted by the Sault Greyhounds. I think that this would be huge for the city of Sault Ste. Marie, as far as the facility is concerned, Oshawa bar none has the best facility, uh, in my opinion, in the Ontario hockey league. Uh, I love going down to Oshawa and getting to watch a game. I have been very spoiled though. Cause I do sit in box seats when I go. So it's, uh, it's quite nice. <laughs> um, mm. But I, that arena, the fans, what a great fan base that they have oh, in Oshawa. Yeah. It's unbelievable. That arena is always rocking and it's
0: bumping every
1: time. Oh, it's, it's awesome. I absolutely love going down there to, uh, to see a game. So, Uh, But my personal preference would be that it would be in Sault Ste. Marie. I was born uh, in the Sioux and uh, the 93 Memorial Cup was won by the Sioux Greyhounds. And that still Mm -hmm. remains one of uh, the best memories that I have as as a kid growing up and, and, you know, watching junior hockey. So to have it go back to the Sioux, I think would be outstanding. It would be awesome.
0: And I should correct myself. It's actually not the MasterCard Memorial Cup anymore. It's now the Memorial Cup presented by Kia. My apologies to, on that. But, uh, you know, I would love to see the Memorial Cup be in the Sioux because, again, uh, <laughs> compared to North Bay and Sudbury, the Sioux has had a lot more success uh, over the years. Obviously, the Wolves are trying to get to that same standpoint and try and take, uh, take back the North Northern Ontario Hockey crown. But for the Greyhounds, it'd be great for them to host. But with the amount of money that the Oshawa Generals have put into that rink, you know, getting a brand new sound system and a brand new Jumbotron uh, to be able to qualify to be a host for the Memorial Cup, I I can't help but feel like Oshawa will be the front runner. But the Sioux is doing the exact same thing. Uh, Apparently, they're getting a new scoreboard as well. There might be a new sound system in place as well. They might do some renovations too, which could really have them be a tough contender Uh, with Oshawa, but we'll obviously have to wait and see. Again, nothing is finalized. We don't know who's going to host. It's only down to two cities. Um, And, you know, obviously, distance-wise, the Sioux and Oshawa, you know, whether if if you're in Sudbury, it doesn't really matter which one you drive to. They're both relatively close by. Uh, Experience-wise, I would maybe have to give it to Oshawa because you're right. That rink is absolutely beautiful. There's vendors and concessions all over the place. Uh, the Sioux has a very nice rink and very great corporate boxes to call games in, but for Oshawa though, though their arena is much newer. Uh, I I believe it's the newer one, um, but they did more recent renovations if I'm not mistaken. I think Oshawa is probably going to be the front runner, but I would love to see the Sioux host it because Northern Ontario, uh, if I'm not mistaken, has not hosted a Memorial Cup before, so this would be very neat. Uh, Not just for, obviously, Sault Ste. Marie uh, natives, but it would be fun, obviously, for people from Sudbury and North Bay and all over Northern Ontario. So when we do find out who is going to host the uh, Memorial Cup this year, we'll let everyone know. But now let's move into the reason why we're here to talk today. Obviously, we will be talking about the upcoming Stanley Cup playoffs and the qualifiers that were. But first, there is a bit of business to get into. And tomorrow night, Amanda, we will find out who will indeed win the Alexis Lafreniere sweepstakes as the NHL has announced that the second stage of the draft lottery will be commencing tomorrow night as of this recording at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And obviously, for those that are unaware, the first overall pick will be going to one of the eight teams that have been knocked out of the Stanley Cup qualifiers. And so far... We know some of the teams, but not all the teams that are going to be eligible. Seven out of the eight series have already been decided, uh, and we'll obviously get into that. But right now, the teams that uh, stand as being contenders for the first overall pick are Edmonton, Pittsburgh, Nashville, the New York Rangers, Minnesota Wild uh and the Florida Panthers as well and Winnipeg Jets uh obviously Toronto and Columbus is to be decided later tonight so we'll find out which one of them will be uh possibly eligible for the first overall pick and with the first overall pick all eight teams do not that did not advance from the qualifiers each will have an equal 12.5 percent chance to claim the top pick and the 17s, whose pinball, uh, ping pong balls, whatever you want to call it, that were not drawn for the number one pick on Monday, will be placed in the ninth through fifteenth draft positions, and w- which was based off of their points percentage at the time the regular season was paused due to the pandemic. Amanda, I want to get your opinion on this because obviously it's a special set of circumstance because of how the season technically ended in the regular season, they had to readjust the playoffs and redo the entire draft lottery to make it fair for pretty much everybody. And obviously this is a bit of a different draft lottery, I think it's safe to say. But now we're seeing seven out of the eight teams that have already put their name into the, um, whatever you want to call it, the little ping pong bubble thing you draw the the name or number out of. One is yet to be determined of who will join the other seven teams, but we know seven out of the eight teams. Obviously, uh, whichever team relatively wins this, Amanda, I think is Alexis Lafreniere is going to a very, very good and promising hockey team down the road. But the debate is there of who, in fact, will win the Alexis Lafreniere sweepstakes. I want to get your opinion uh, and again, I hate to do this, but I'll ask you to put your personal bias aside. Um, who do you think is going to be the winner of the Alexis Lafreniere sweepstakes tomorrow night?
1: I'll tell you who it better not be. And that is the uh, Edmonton Oilers. I think I know Oilers. who you're going to say.
0: The Edmonton Oilers. It, it, Good it would, Lord. You would think, right?
1: <laughs> no, you, would you think. know what? When, when we were chatting the other night, I'm like, I will lose my mind if, <laughs> <laughs> if Edmonton gets that first overall pick. Uh, You know what, the thing, when I look at this, okay, Pittsburgh um, forgot that they were playing hockey that mattered, and (laughs) they find themselves in a position where they potentially could get that first overall pick, but what happens to the makeup of that team as it stands now? Because you sign Lafreniere to, obviously, an ELC three years from now something's got to give and uh, fun <laughs> you know what that's i guess there are worse situations to be in uh, oh, yeah. if, but at the same wink, time wink. <laughs> <laughs> i think that it's a situation that um i'd be shocked if the penguins ball was the one that came out and mm-hmm. that was that was who got to pick you know what it's an Interesting list of teams Because if I look at the teams That are part of this You know, potential eight Obviously with the last one Being decided this evening Um I wouldn't have necessarily Picked a lot of these teams To be part of this draft lottery In fact, Not at all. I think that we Basically blew almost every pick
0: We botched it <laughs> Yeah
1: uh, I think the only one that I got right was that I said Arizona was going to win over Nashville. Um, I, thi-
0: I think so. Yeah, the rest Maybe. of them,
1: I think I got really wrong. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wouldn't say really wrong, just unfortunately wrong.
1: It's like some teams didn't know they were playing hockey that mattered in August because they've it sure never looked played like it. hockey in August that has mattered Uh, yeah, there were some pretty big upsets in that, in that qualifiers. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, we look at, obviously for me, one of the bigger ones was the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, I was for sure expecting to not see Winnipeg as part of this NHL (laughs) draft lottery, but you look at what happens, you know, Shifley goes down, um, oh, now I can't, thank you. Uh, he went down. You can't predict stuff like this happening. Not to your, I would say, arguably two of your top players on your team. Uh, (laughs) That really changed the course for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, You know, the Florida... New York Islanders I could have gone either way I told you coming into that last week when we were doing our our predictions I'm like this one's a bit of a bore fest for me and I in fact did not watch a single game of that series but you know you look at this list and there's depth on every single one of these teams so to add a guy of the caliber of Alexey Lafreniere That is a huge boost to your hockey club. It does not matter Mm -hmm. which one gets this. Uh, You know, who knows? The Toronto Maple Leafs could be part of this by the end of tonight. (laughs) Hey! I'd feel better about myself if they did.
0: (laughs) Don't you start. Don't start.
1: (laughs) I'll I'll give my
0: opinion on that in just a minute. (laughs) Uh, I'll just say this right away. Even if the Leafs were to get eliminated tonight at the time of this recording... Uh, Yeah, good luck even affording his ELC because you have no cap space whatsoever. That's all I'll say about that. Um, So, you can't help but feel like it's going to be Edmonton, right? I I know you want it to be Pittsburgh, but I kind of have to side with you. I can't help but feel like Edmonton's going to get the first overall pick again, and it's going to be because of a readjusted season.
1: Yeah. You know what I would love to see? Like, if I'm... (sighs) Putting bias aside, I would love to see him end up uh, in a market like Winnipeg, to be completely honest. I think Mm -hmm. going to a market like Florida doesn't really do a whole lot for the Florida I mean,
0: Florida still has a good team, but But considering the changes they made in their playoff success this year, which was non-existent, yeah, good luck with that. Yeah,
1: I think (laughs) that for me, like, A guy like Lafreniere playing in a market like Florida, I just don't think that that would be the best-case scenario. So, you know, if I'm him sitting at home, (laughs) I'd be banking on maybe, you know, Winnipeg Jets. Obviously, getting the opportunity to play in Pittsburgh or even in Edmonton, let's be honest. That would be a pretty unbelievable, you know, hunch that they would pack as a team but again cap space you know who's got the cap space when I look at these teams like you said Toronto they're we're not talking you know a small little gap in the you know they've got money put aside for this and you know they're planning on signing a couple of big guys for ELCs but this would be obviously there's this, this set mark for the ELCs coming into the NHL but when your cap space is that tight, uh, I don't know. It's not. You it's have to not, trade
0: a humongous asset in order to even sign a ELC. Forget about three years down the road.
1: Exactly. And when you've built your hockey club around a guy that you're having to trade away, then that becomes a whole other situation for your hockey club. So, you know what? I think that there's a lot of teams that are on this NHL draft lottery for the phase two of this this draft lottery taking place that did not think that this was going to be a problem that, or potential solution to their worries uh, coming into this. I, I just don't think so because I think there were too many things that happened in this qualifier that left a lot of people kind of scratching their heads and wondering what the hell just happened.
0: Yeah. Uh, I I can't help but feel like Edmonton's going to come out as the favorite of this. Do, I mean, obviously, if you put Lafreniere on a team with Leon Dreisel and Connor McDavid, you're going to develop the hell out of him right away. I mean, you can say the same thing about him playing with Crosby and Malkin. Think about Pittsburgh here for a second. Obviously, Crosby and Malkin are now in their mid-30s. They're going to be on their way out very soon. And by the time that ELC is done... There's a chance Crosby and Malkin may retire by the end of his ELC, which would obviously free up a hell of a lot of cap space down the road. They're not um, that old, but, okay? They're not that old. Well, yeah, but still, <laughs> it depends on their it depends on their condition yeah. going forward. Um, I don't know if I see a clear cut favorite. Would it be nice to him for him to play in a Canadian based market? Yeah, it'd be awesome to see him stay in Canada. Um, but. I, I don't know if we can really say that Edmonton is going to be most likely to get him. Because, again, you think about the cap. Obviously, Conor McDavid is our highest paid player. Dry sells right behind him. Uh, you know, you're still paying quite a few dollars for James Neal, which, oh boy, uh, is not the same James Neal we've seen in the past. So I cannot but feel like even if Edmonton were to win the draft lottery, it's the same thing with Toronto good luck paying him down the road. You're going to have to trade a whole hell of a lot of assets be order to afford him. But we're going to find out who's going to get the number 1 overall pick uh tomorrow night. We're going to find out uh who will join the other seven teams later tonight in the Toronto and Columbus series. That is our segue into what was wow, what a crazy Stanley Cup qualifiers this has been. Um I was not expecting this to work out, I'll be honest. I'm so glad it did, because this is by far the most entertaining hockey I have seen in a while, and the way that the NHL structured this whole thing, I was very skeptical about it going in, and I thought, oh, this will never work, they won't even get halfway through this, and this is probably the most entertaining hockey I've seen in quite a while. I'm not going to say a few months, because obviously it's been a few months since we've seen hockey, but in terms of... Playoff hockey, and yes, this is technically playoff hockey. It's pretty damn fun to watch, and we're gonna break down every single series so far. And let's start with the round robins here, Amanda. Now, obviously, the the, the top four seeds had to have been determined by these round robins. We have, uh, we have, uh, seven out of our eight, uh, top four or uh, top seeds in each respective conference coming out of the East. Philadelphia with the best record in the east. 3 they finished 3 and 0 they won all the round robin games. Their goals differential was a plus 8. I mean Carter Hart was lights out for Philadelphia and the talent in front of him helped them big time. Tampa Bay finishing in second with a 2 and 1 record. Uh Washington will finish third with a 0 1 and 1 are pardon me with a 0 2 and 1 record. They went winless the bo- or pardon me, no, they're, they went 1-1-1 one, one, one. what the hell am I saying the Boston Bruins finished winless, they went 0-3 for 3. they finished as the 4th seed in the Eastern Conference so, the East is laid out pretty much we'll get to that in just a moment down in the Western Conference, Vegas finishing as the top team in the West uh, with a 3-0 record uh, goals differential of plus 5 they scored a lot of goals but they gave up a lot as well Colorado finishes second with a 2-0-1 record. Um, third and fourth place in the Western Conference has not been decided yet. As a matter of fact, St. Louis and Dallas is on right now at the time of this recording. It is currently 1-0 for the St. Louis Blues heading into the third period. Um, so we'll eventually know how that seeding will work. So the round robins uh, was pretty interesting to watch. Obviously, people said it didn't really matter. It kind of does depending uh, on what sh- on who you're asking for Philly, I thought they were by far the best team in the round robins. I don't really think this is up for debate. Tampa looked good in parts, but Boston, man, oh my god, this is not the same team we've seen in the regular season. But, again, the playoffs are a totally different beast. So let's start in the East, Amanda, uh, really quickly, because then we got to recap every single series. Philly was by far the most dominant team, and they rightfully get the first... Uh, first place spot in the Eastern Conference going into the actual Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh what were your thoughts about the round robin and who do you see as the early favorite in the East?
1: I uh, Philly definitely came out to play. There's no question. Uh I think that I had picked them to either finish third or fourth in I think you had the, them third
0: cuz because you had Tampa, Boston, then Philly and Washington.
1: Right. Right. And well, we didn't get those ones right either.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nope. I I didn't get that right either, but I had I'm pretty sure I had Philly in third as well, so we were both freaking
1: wrong. <laughs> uh Boston kind of reminded me a little bit of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh You know, it, it This was a tough go for Penguins fans. Um but Boston fans I'd be a little bit worried because something's not jiving right now with the Boston Bruins and Mm-mm. you know what they're count themselves lucky that this was you know merely a round robin play however this obviously has major implications on who they're going to play in that first round of the playoffs
0: which so, we know and we'll get into in just a moment exactly
1: well. so you know, you're still playing for something, and the Boston Bruins looked like they weren't playing for anything. That's, I, I no. think that's the best way to put that.
0: But I, I, I can't help but feel like Boston wasn't really playing for top seeding because they knew going into this that they were the top team in the East, regardless of their seeding. I still think they very well could be. But now with the way that Philly has played, I can't help but feel like these guys are the front runners to represent the East. Uh, Boston could very well step into that conversation But you looked at the way they played that They lacked their discipline They had, they were lacking discipline Their goal scoring was invisible In the round robins And that's a humongous concern But again playoffs are a different beast We don't know what the hell is going to happen in the first round uh, But again We were wrong in our predictions But you know what Philadelphia good for them They had a hell of a round robin basically allowing a goal per game. And I mean, Carter Hart, my God, is that kid spectacular.
1: Yeah. And you know what? You look at the the goal differential, like the Boston Bruins had four goals in three games.
0: Which is insanity.
1: That's not the Boston Bruins that are going to make it out of the first round of the playoffs. So they need to figure out what's going wrong. And they need to make some quick adjustments because when it comes to the goals against, they had nine goals against in three games that's not good. not good. That is not good at this time of the that's year. That's three
0: goals per game.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's not great. <laughs> no, and, that's you know, very,
0: very concerning. You
1: look on the other side, like you said, the Flyers had 11 goals for and three goals against. Mm-hmm. Uh, did the Flyers come out a little too gung-ho? Who knows, right? Did they come out a little too strong and overachieved? I don't know. I think that... They might
0: have had something to prove. Who knows? Yeah.
1: I think that that could definitely be part of it. Uh, The Tampa Bay Lightning, to me, I feel, are just going to get better as we go on. I'm not really concerned about the Lightning and the Washington Capitals. Well, I'm a Penguins fan, so should I say anything else? I don't think so. (laughs) If you want. Uh, I'm not stopping you. Washington can go golfing anytime.
0: <laughs> 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 All right. Yeah. Okay. Moving on uh, to the Western conference, Amanda, you got your prediction, correct? The Vegas golden. Knights finished. As the top seed in terms of the Western Conference round, Robins finishing a perfect 3-0. And again, that goal differential is a little bit concerning. They almost have the same amount of goals for and goals against, but they still came out as the top team. Colorado right behind them. And again, St. Louis and Dallas is yet to be determined. 17 minutes left in the third uh, right now at the time of this recording. It's still one nothing St. Louis. So the way it boils down to is the winner of... Uh, the St. Louis and Dallas game today will be the third seed. And, of course, the loser will be the fourth seed, just much like the Eastern Conference. And, Amanda, again, I'll say this. You got your prediction correct. You predicted Vegas to go as the top team in the Western Conference. So, kudos to you on that. Uh, I believe I had Colorado as the top team, if I'm not mistaken. They finished one point behind Vegas because they lost in overtime. Um but one thing I wanted to talk about is that crazy game uh, for Col- for Colorado, where they got that uh, that late buzzer beater by Nazem Kadri. How yeah. spectacular was that moment?
1: You know what? Those are the moments in a hockey player's life that are those once, maybe twice in your career moments. Uh, is definitely going to remember that one for uh, the rest of his life. Uh, So will
0: these fans. They're going to remember that for a damn long time. Absolutely.
1: So (laughs) I think, uh, that was such a great finish to the game. Like it was just, Mm -hmm. As a hockey fan and you're watching hockey again, how could you not get pumped up watching that game, right? Like, it's that was something pretty special. Uh, I'm not surprised that the Golden Knights finished first. I I did pick them to finish first, so (laughs) I'll I'll take that one as a win. Um, Mm -hmm. But like you said, that goal differential, they definitely had uh, 15-4, 10 against, that's a lot of goals to be letting in. Uh, so
0: it, It's the most goals against in the is. entire round robins at this point. It Dallas, is. well, actually, Dallas is now tied with that because they allowed a goal, but still, for Vegas, that's, a, that's very concerning going into the first round. For
1: sure, and you know what? I think with the Golden Knights, they have the power to take over games. We've seen that already in the round robin, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that they're going to find a way in every game that they're in. Uh, yeah. And I think that, that that shows that, right? Really, at the end of the day, as long as you score more goals than the other team, you're going to win the hockey game. So, yeah. yeah, that that part is definitely a little bit concerning. I think that that could come to cause some problems in the near future for them. But I think as a whole, the Golden Knights are going into that first round of the playoffs, uh you know kind of riding a little bit of a high and and i hope that for for them that continues throughout the first round
0: all right let's recap the qualifiers that was at least for right now obviously there's one more game in the qualifiers to uh get underway later tonight we'll talk about that in a moment but let's set up the eastern conference first we have uh, are seeding in three out of our four playoff matchups in the first round of the playoffs will be the number one seeded Philadelphia Flyers taking on the 12th-ranked Montreal Canadiens. Mmm, that's delicious to say. In the other matchup, Tampa Bay finishing the second seed will take on the winner of the Columbus Blue Jackets Toronto Maple Series. Washington finishing the, the third seed, they'll take on the 7th-ranked New York Islanders. And the 4th-ranked Boston Bruins will take on the 6th ranked carolina hurricanes let's run down each series uh starting in the easter conference with i know you don't want to talk about this series amanda <laughs> but we're going to talk about it anyway the pittsburgh penguins and montreal Canadiens, an absolute stunner of a series as the montreal canadians went on to win the series three games to one it all started in game one with montreal winning in overtime three two thanks to the overtime heroics of Jeff Petrie. Pittsburgh would bounce back big time with a 3-1 win in game two. But from there, it was all Montreal outscoring the Penguins 6-3, uh, 4-3 final in game three, and then a 2-0 shutout in the elimination game. A stunning exit for Pittsburgh that not a lot of people seen. Obviously, Amanda, you are a humongous Penguins supporter. You uh, voiced your displeasure, <laughs> to put it politely, after this all happened. Uh, I mean, it's great for Montreal that they're moving on. Do they have any business moving on? Probably not because of, you know, the restructured playoff format. But to argue that, I just think it's kind of silly. And I've seen a lot of people try and bring up this argument. But you know what? Before I get your opinion, Amanda, I just want to give three words as to why I think Montreal won this series. And I told you exactly what those three words are. And you can agree with me or not. Healthy carry price.
1: Yeah, <laughs> this one is hard for me. Obviously, uh, live and breathe Pittsburgh Penguins hockey. So, and I and I have since you know nineteen eighty seven, the days of Mario Lemieux and Yager and Ronnie Francis and Mark Recchi. Like, I, this is a team that has been really ingrained in my blood, and for me. I knew after game one that the Pittsburgh Penguins were not going to be moving on. Uh, it was, That quick, eh? Yeah. it. They had a real lack of... Um,
0: leadership, maybe? Uh, you I'm think not, that's what it is?
1: I don't know if it's necessarily the leadership.
0: It's definitely the defense. That defense, uh. of course, is freaking atrocious. I am sorry, but that defense, of course, sucks.
1: I don't know how many times I wanted to throw something at the television and Jeff was telling me, he's like, it's fine. It's just calm down. I'm like, Schultz is brutal. He's brutal. He's tr- he,
0: ever since his injury, he's changed. Ugh. I mean, you. I don't know if you can really blame it solely on him. No. But Jack his- Johnson has no business being a top defenseman on a team like Pittsburgh. No. The hell is Jim Rutherford thinking?
1: I think <laughs> for me, it. you know, the guys that needed to play at their best did not even show up to play and nope. that for me nope. as as a fan of the game as a fan of the Pittsburgh Penguins that's why when i say game 1 i knew that we weren't going to win this series it's unfortunate because coming into this when you look at everything matched up and we look at you know the the season matchups and the players that you have on your team and how everybody has performed Montreal had no business even being in this series, period.
0: sniffing the playoffs.
1: Exactly. And they come in and they dominated a team that has unbelievable firepower up front, and those guys that you need in key situations are not the guys that were showing up. For me, the one of the best players that I saw from the Pittsburgh Penguins was Connor Sheary. I thought he had a yeah. fantastic qualifier. He was all over the place. He was in the corner. He was in front of the net. He was taking the shots. That guy was buzzing. Now,
0: Defensive-wise, he was very impressive. It, Plus three in, in four games. That's pretty good.
1: I was so impressed by his play. Uh, Crosby and Malkin, for me, were kind of no shows I there were I mean for Crosby
0: three points I mean that's not bad it's not bad but it's not in in terms of playoff success it's not the same Crosby we've seen and like you said Malkin was freaking invisible minus three and one assist he
1: was and there were often games where you know I'm scratching my head wondering like okay how much ice time has he had because I I haven't noticed him once on the ice today and you know they're flashing ice times and they just weren't good enough. And kudos to Claude Genier, the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens, for what he is doing with that hockey club. Mm-hmm. Nick Suzuki is out there getting power play time in a qualifier series against Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. And Which Suzuki. Is was making every single moment count on the ice. He
0: was incredible.
1: Unbelievable. And I think when you look at some of these teams, obviously, that were in the qualifiers, I was so impressed by the young guys that were getting their first opportunity and really making something of it. And we'll talk about that more when we talk about the the Toronto and Columbus Blue Jackets series, because Robertson... Unbelievable. Yeah. Absolutely unbelievable.
0: OHL knows a thing or two about developing players.
1: Absolutely. You know, we saw it in Chicago with um Kubelik. We saw it with uh Carolina with Svechnikov. Uh, we're we're seeing a young breed of hockey players come in, have a first crack and first real opportunity at, at playing at this level. And man, were they making it count? Like to see Suzuki out there and taking faceoffs against Crosby or Malkin, like kudos to you, buddy. I, I was so impressed <laughs> with his play. I really was. I think that for me, and to see him out there getting time on the power play, wow! Like Claude Gignard, unbelievable, unbelievable coaching yeah. in that se- in that series. And Carey Price was Carey Price that gives nightmares to other hockey teams. And and that's, that's really who came to play. And if he keeps up that level of play as we go, that guy looks like he is like so calm, cool, and collected right now. He and looks if, like he's
0: 25 again.
1: If nobody can get under his skin, Montreal, I can see them going quite far in the playoffs, actually. I, I think that mm-hmm. they're going to give Philly a run for their money.
0: Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the Montreal side. Four points and a plus five for Weber, which is absolutely outstanding for him. Four points and a plus six for Paul Byron. Of all people, Paul Byron, a plus six and four points. Are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. (laughs) Former Wolf Ben Chirot was a plus six with two points. And again, Carey Price just stole the show. 1.67 goals against average and a save percentage of .947. That is primetime Carey Price. And there's a reason why people still think he's one of the top goaltenders in the league. Because when he's healthy, Carey Price is a god amongst men.
1: He he is so scary good. Uh, and we haven't seen this Carey Price in a while. And Which is scary. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, you're coming off of a, a time where during the the, I guess, stoppage and play, we'll call it, I was going to call it the off-season. This wasn't the off-season. Uh, stoppage and play because of COVID. Uh, him and his family have been down in the States. Uh, there's lots going on with his family right now. They're expecting their third child. Uh, his wife is in, I believe, her third trimester. So this baby is probably... I think coming before playoffs are done. Uh, mm. So he's got some family things going on. And man, this guy is dialed in like that. Unbelievable.
0: Let's move, uh, let's move to the next series before we get you more riled up because I know <laughs> how you feel about that series. Um, but Montreal is in fact moving into the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Next series we'll talk about is one that I'm very... I shouldn't say I'm very surprised, but in terms of both of our picks, we were dead wrong on this one. Again, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes making easy work of the New York Rangers, sweeping them in three games uh, with wins in Game 1, three to 3-2, a 4-1 win against uh, them in Game 2. And then it was the Andres Vesnikov show in Game 3, a hat trick, uh, the first hat trick in Carolina Hurricanes postseason history, And that was it for the New York Rangers. They fall to the Carolina Hurricanes just like that. A disastrous play-in round for the Rangers. Just run through the stats. Kreider was even with two points. Zabinichad had two points. He was great uh, despite being a minus one. Unfortunately, the rest of the list is not so great. Artemi Panarin was basically invisible. Two points in three games was a minus three. Ryan Strom was minus three as well. Mark Stahl was a minus four with one goal. And probably the highlight, or I guess you can call it the low light, Tony D'Angelo with one assist was a minus six and 16 penalty minutes. He was a defensive liability and a half for the Rangers. He was definitely part of the reason for their uh, for their lack of success. And then obviously the goaltending, my God, was that an absolute disaster. Henrik Wanqvist played the first two games, was left hung out to dry by the rest of his team. Shostorkin came in for game three, but could not stop the bleeding. Uh, Before we move to the other side of this series, the Carolina Hurricanes, let's talk about uh, the Rangers' performance in this series. Uh, D'Angelo was just horrendous in this. From the moment the first puck dropped in Game 1, he could not stop a puck, block a shot, score a goal, set up a play to save his life, and the minus six shows for that. Disastrous playoff performance for him, and for the rest of this uh Rangers team, especially for Mika Sabinajad, this was a chance to really prove themselves. When you look at this group, and the fact that the Hurricanes held Capocacco to absolutely no point is mind-boggling to say the least. And uh we'll save the Henrik Lundqvist talk uh, for after I ask you this, but what happens next for the New York Rangers?
1: <sighs> that is such a good question. Uh I don't know what happens next for the New York Rangers. No, I don't
0: think anyone does. Like, where do you where do you go from here?
1: Let's say that New York Rangers get their ball drawn first, or
0: could you imagine?
1: First, and Lafreniere <laughs> ends up in New York. Um, that might put a little bit more plan into what's going to come of the new york rangers because when you look at this uh you know they've got some potential restricted free agents like ryan strump brennan lemieux uh d'angelo is one of them there there's a lot of potential for changes to be happening with this organization now i know you wanted to leave lundquist kind of more to the end Change that we potentially could see is that we have seen Henrik Lundqvist play his last game as a New York Ranger.
0: Yeah, that, and we'll get into that now. And I was just going to ask you if this is indeed the last time we see Lundqvist in a in a Rangers uniform, and I can't help but feel like it's going to be, because obviously, uh, you know, Shishorkin and Gorgiev are definitely going to take over the net. Um, for Lundqvist, I think it was a career wasted with the Rangers I hate to say that but Lundqvist deserve did not deserve this he deserves so much more than this and to see him to see him on the bench in game three just see his team get lit up and obviously I think he knows his future Amanda I don't think he's going back to the Rangers with this goaltending group that they have unless they can get him on a discount contract And maybe have him as a third guy. But the possibility of that is very unlikely. I still think Lundquist might have a tiny bit of gas left in the tank. But I want to get your opinion. This is probably the last time we see Lundquist in a Rangers uniform. But is this the last time we see the king strap the pads in the NHL?
1: I want to say no. I want to say no. um, Because I think at this point... And even what he's kind of said um, as far as like giving hints to what he's going to do uh, in his future. I think if he can find a situation where he can play, I think he will play. Now there's so much to this though, because if the Rangers were obviously before COVID hit, there was talk um, that there was a potential trade coming for Lundqvist and mm-hmm now with obviously covid they look at that and they look at their buyout or whether they buy him out which really doesn't save them a whole lot from what i can find we're looking at around that 3 million mark is what it would be for savings if they were to buy him out on an 8.5 million deal but with the trade how does that play into you know what's going to happen moving forward if they think that they can get something for him okay but they would probably most like uh, probably most likely that's really not a great sentence structure <laughs> my english teacher would be not happy right now <laughs> the rangers would likely have to eat at least a large portion of that salary as well oh yeah so when you look at that, okay, well, what becomes the situation? It would be a heck of a lot easier for the New York Rangers if Henrik Lundqvist decided, you know what, that's it, I'm done. I, I'm i going out on my own terms. But I, I just don't think that we've seen the very last of him yet. Um, this is a guy that just loves the game. You know, he's 38, so he's definitely getting up there. Uh,
0: yeah. it, yeah. But well, most goalies retire fairly early on. I mean, at least in their mid thirties, but Lundqvist is still going and I really think he still has what it takes to compete. I mean, if this is the last time we see Lundqvist, this is a terrible way to go out. Absolutely. Like the way his team just left him out to dry, man. That is absolutely disgusting. And I personally think he deserves better. He came so close to winning a cup against Los Angeles. And then we all know what happened afterwards. Uh, I, I think he goes down as one of the best goaltenders to never win a cup. He's up there with quite a couple of other goaltenders. You know, you think of Eddie Jackman, Curtis Joseph, as a matter of fact, they never won cups and yet they are still among hockey's best in the hall of fame at this point. And, I don't know what's next for Lundqvist and the Rangers, but I I definitely think for the Rangers, Lundqvist is gone. I I can't help but feel like that's the case. If this is the last game for Henrik Lundqvist, terrible way to go out, but you know what? He still had a hell of a career, uh, not just in the NHL, but international-wise. No matter what he does next, I'm sure a lot of people are going to support him and what happens. Um, But now we focus on the other side of the series, the Carolina Hurricanes. My God, they did not mess around, and they let New York know very early on Looking through the stats, Sebastian Aho, holy, holy bleep. Like, this kid is unbelievable. Three goals and five assists. Uh, Andrei Sveshnikov, as we mentioned, had a hat trick in the closing out game in game three. He has five points. And, I mean, the question mark still for Carolina is their goaltending. Yes, Morazic was good uh, in the two games he played. Reimer was fantastic uh, to close out the series, uh, only allowing one goal. I don't know who they go forward with in terms of goaltending, but for Carolina, going into the next round, they're taking on the Boston Bruins. I don't know if their goaltending is enough to keep them balanced against a team like Boston, but the defense and the offense is catching a lot of people off guard, myself included, because, Amanda, you and I said the Rangers we're going to make quick work of the Hurricanes and boy, how stupid do we look now. <laughs> yeah. um, I I think Carolina, just as much like last year, have a chance to go far. The Hurricanes ran into the Bruins in the conference final last year and we all know how that turned out. Did not work out very well for them. But this year is a chance to get the revenge and I think this year they have a chance.
1: You know what? I think that they do too. And uh, Svechnikov, that hat trick that he scored, that was actually in Game 2, so not Game or, 3. Yeah, but sorry, it was Game, game 2, my apologies. Two, uh, that was not only his first hat trick, but it was the first in Hurricanes franchise playoff history.
0: Which is insanity when you think about it.
1: I mean, this kid is unbelievably talented, and he just keeps getting better. And, uh, yeah... Sebastian again, you can't say enough good things about him. He came to play, and so did the whole Carolina Hurricanes team. We, When we sat down and we talked last week about who we thought was going to win this series, neither one of us gave this team a chance, and obviously no. we should have.
0: Uh, damn right we should have.
1: <laughs> and like you said, it's <laughs> the defense and the offense for teams that we are used to watching and seeing and how – we've seen throughout the season we're not necessarily seeing that right now so it's really hard to predict what's going to happen and and what's going to to be in this first round of the playoffs but you can't help but think with the high that the Carolina Hurricanes are riding right now coming into that first round that they have a legitimate opportunity here to make something happen and if their key guys and the core group is as good as they have been and goaltending is solid, then the Carolina Hurricanes have very good chance of beating the Boston Bruins.
0: Yeah, but obviously the goaltending is going to be a humongous question it mark because who do you really go with? I mean, well, yeah, Reimer and Morazic were great against the Rangers. Boston's a totally different team, but I, I can't help but feel like this young group of players in front of them is really going to help them. You look... Uh, The top four guys that they have, they are all, well, all except one, are under the age of 25. Martin Natchez, who I thought was fantastic, had a great rookie campaign. He was great in the playoffs. He's 21 years old. Andrei Sveshnikov is only 20 years old, which is absolutely insane to think about because he was in the OHL a few (laughs) years ago. What was I doing at 20? I was working Wait. part-time, for Christ's sake. <laughs> this kid is making millions, and he is just a stupidly good hockey player. And then, of course, Sebastian Aho, who's only 23. He is younger than I am, and he is one of the top players in the league. I'm going to say that right now. Ajo doesn't get enough credit that he should. He's that damn good, in my honest opinion. And then you think about, obviously, their top defender, Jacob Slavin. Has been fantastic this year. Coming out of absolutely nowhere this year. Put on a show at the All-Star game. And then this year in the playoffs, and the regular season alone, he was a plus 30 in the regular season by the time they stopped. He has two points already in this playoffs. Slavin is one of the best defensemen I've seen in this postseason so far. And for Carolina, I think this is going to work dividends for them going up against a really tough Boston team. Um, Again, this is a really young group, but I still think they have a chance to get by the Bruins, especially when you look at the roster that they have. They have veteran leadership in Justin Williams and uh, Jordan Stahl. And then, of course, you got guys like Nino Niederreiter. you got the young guys like Hayden Fleur. you got Joel Edmondson who won a cup last year, so I think he knows a thing or two about winning a Stanley Cup. This team could have a chance to get by the Bruins. It's not going to be easy, but I still think there is going to be a chance of that happening. Let's go uh, to the third of the four series in the Eastern Conference. The New York Islanders knocking out the Florida Panthers in four games, winning that series three to one. Starting with a two-one victory in Game One, they would then win uh, Game Two, I score of four to two. Florida would bounce back three to two, but Game Four was a totally different story, getting blown out five. To one, it was a total mismatch going in. Um, and to think f- with the offense that Florida has, you would think they would have contended a lot better than this. But my God, was the offense invisible for the Florida Panthers.
1: Yeah, this, this series, uh, like I said, coming into this one, I... Honestly, at the end of the day, it didn't matter to me whether the Islanders or the Four Panthers moved on. I know that's terrible saying that as a hockey fan, but this one just didn't have the same draw for me as, as the other ones. But when you're looking at, again, those guys that you need to show up when the time calls for them to show up, showed up for the New York Islanders and in a big way, these New York Islanders that that showed up were not necessarily the ones that I was expecting for this series. I think, if I'm not mistaken, did I not pick Florida? Or maybe I did pick the Islanders. I can't even remember. I think
0: you picked the Islanders and I picked the Panthers. I think that's what happened. Okay.
1: You know, close games. It's not like these were blowouts, except for that, you know, game four where the Islanders uh, beat the Panthers 5 1. We're talking you know, one goal games with the exception of of, of game two as well. That was a a two goal differential, but I don't know this, this one was a bit of a stumper for me. Um, You know, when you look at guys like uh, Barzell, like he had a good series and does that lead to momentum coming into the first round? I think that, the New York Islanders are not going to make it out of the first round, if I'm going to be completely honest with you. I think that this is, you know, they've got uh, another maybe four or five games, maybe, I think will be pushing it. I, I don't see Well, look see who them. they're
0: playing in the first round, for God's sake. Yeah, I,
1: I just don't see them coming out of this.
0: A quick update, Uh, Joe Pavelski is tied the game for the Dallas Stars with 31.4 seconds left. So uh, there's a chance this game may be going overtime. By the way, forgot to mention at the top of the show, Dallas playing without Tyler Sagan, who's ruled unfit to play, which is kind of concerning. Uh, So we'll keep an eye on this game uh, going forward. We'll set up at the Western Conference in just a second. But just to talk a bit about Florida. I mean, they did see point production from guys like Mike Hoffman. Uh, really decent numbers in the playoffs. But, again, your de- your offense was still kind of invisible, and your defense sure as hell did not help. Uh, I mean, Barkov, you would expect a lot more than four points in as many games from him, especially only scoring one goal. Huberto struggled. Yandel was good, but defensively not so much. Uh, Stroman and Connolly, man, did they struggle. No points. Both of them were minus five. And Sergey Bobrovsky, man, what the hell happened to this guy? Well, like, th- this is a terrible stat line. He, You get paid $10 million and you allow 12 goals in four games. What the hell makes you think you deserve to get paid $10 million? Try and justify this, especially with a Stanley Cup winning coach like Joe Quenville behind the bench. This team didn't make it past the qualifiers? What the hell?
1: something that we've learned in that that qualifier round was that uh anything can happen in 2020 (laughs) including in a realm of hockey and like you said to me you have to be able to answer those questions right what what happened with this hockey club because like you said the firepower Bobrovsky like where were you you're not Earning that paycheck at that point And I think that that comes down To some hockey brass Asking some tough questions I really do
0: Yeah Uh Uh I'm sorry, I just can't believe Sergei Bobrovsky makes $10 million to not even stop a beach ball. That I just think that's freaking hilarious. Uh, moving on to the New York Islanders. They will be moving on to the first round to take on the third-ranked Washington Capitals. Uh, and, I mean, they're going to have a hell of a test ahead of them for the first round, taking on Alex Ovechkin and his uh, formerly Stanley Cup-winning um, Washington Capitals. Looking at the stat line for the Islanders through the first four games of the playoffs, these are all technically playoff games, by the way. Uh, It is the qualifying round, but their real playoffs begin... On Tuesday night, Anthony Beauvillier was a pleasant surprise. Three goals and two assists in those four games. Uh, Ryan Pulak really chipped in with four points. Justin Bailey with four assists. Devontae's with four assists. Three goals from the former Ottawa Senator Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Jordan Ebelie chipping in with three points on his own. Uh, Matt Barzell with three points as well. Uh, There's only really a handful of guys that finish with zero points. Seven as a matter of fact. Uh, And Semyon Varlamov... I mean, he really stole the show in this series, I think, for the New York Islanders. And to think this team had Robin Leonard at some point, lost him, got Varlamov. And for Varlamov to really come out and be a proven number one starter, at least in terms of the Islanders' perspective, this is really promising for the Islanders going forward, especially going up against a team that Semi Valarmov is very familiar with. That's his former club in the Washington Capitals. And this is going to be an interesting series.
1: I, it definitely is going to be an interesting series. And if I had it my way, Washington would be going golfing. But I think the reality of the situation <laughs> is that, you know, the New York Islanders, I, I just cannot see them getting past this this first round. And Really? I, I really can't. I really can't. No.
0: Nope. Okay, well, how many games do you see this series going? I want to ask that because I think the Islanders really have a chance.
1: I think that this series is going to go five.
0: Really? Yeah, I. I wow. But,
1: okay, let's take what I say with <laughs> a grain of salt based on my last predictions. Uh, I was way off on. Well, almost so everything.
0: was I. I think I only got one series correct, yeah. if that.
1: I just. I just don't think that. This is the hockey club that is going to match up against the Washington Capitals. I, I just don't. I, I... Well, uh, well, let's
0: look at the Washington Capitals roster for a second. And again, in the three games they played, obviously there weren't that many highlights for them. They did finish one one and one through the um, through the round robin stage. So. A lot of players getting a point. Alex Ovechkin was not one of those people, which is very surprising. But, it really, I don't think this this round-robin really mattered for teams like Washington. Because they knew what they had going in. And, again, the goaltending is a huge question mark. You know, people thought, were they going to start Braden Hopi? Or were they going to put in Ilya Samsonov? I thought it was going to be Samsonov. Because I feel like that's the chance to prove himself But I can't help but feel like this is the last ride and opportunity for Holpe to really prove himself that he can stay with this team moving forward. Um, But to to think the Islanders have played more games than the Capitals at this point, I think really does give the Islanders a bit of an advantage here. And I I think they're going to be able to compete, but what do I know? My picks were freaking terrible in the (laughs) qualifiers. I, I I don't know if there's going to be a five-game exit for them. I think they put up a little bit more of a fight. Because, again, I think Varlamov knows his former team very well. And I think that could really work uh, to the Islanders' advantage. But, again, that's just my opinion. And we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but it will be the Capitals taking on the Islanders in the first round. And, uh, again, uh, Carolina will be taking on the Boston Bruins as well. The last Eastern Conference series that is not yet to be determined. We will find out who will be going to the playoffs. Tonight, Game 5 between the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Toronto Maple Leafs. What a whirlwind series this was, man. I gotta tell you, I I am still in shock of what happened over the course of the last uh, 24 hours uh, leading up to this recording. Excuse me, as... Um, let's recap the series quickly so far. Game 1 was a really close contest up until the third period. Cam Atkinson would score the game winner, an empty net eventually. 2-0 win for Columbus. Toronto would bounce back with a big 3 nothing win, but they lose Jake Muzzin in the process. And uh, Earlier today, they announced that he is cleared out of quarantine. He's back in practice, but he will probably not play until the first round if the Leafs make it there. Now, yeah, here comes the fun part. Uh, game three, Toronto had a 3 nothing lead. Uh, stick with me here if you've heard this story before. They blow the lead and they lose in overtime by a score of 4-3, which... I, after that, Amanda, I'm gonna be honest with you. I thought the lease were done. You, I really thought they were
1: done. You did,
0: I, I, a, and a lot of people I, did. Yeah. A lot of people thought Toronto was done after this. How do you bounce back from this? Here's the answer you go down three nothing. Um, <laughs> the Leafs were down three nothing in game four, and right then and there, I'm like, yeah, this is over. There, there's no way. Then they pull the goalie with like three and a half minutes left, and the Leafs score three unanswered. They tie the game. Yeah, they were the they were the second team in Stanley Cup playoff history to score three unanswered goals with the goalie pulled, and the first Canadian team to ever do it. And the <laughs> and then the Leafs, uh, and and this is a debate we'll talk about here because this had a lot of people talking afterwards. Nick Foligno gets called for tripping on Morgan Riley in the corner, results in a power play. And Austin Matthews scores with a cannon of a blast from the face-off circle to to pull off the impossible. Something that Leafs fans n- were on the wrong end of. A monstrous comeback and win in the playoffs. And this sets up for one hell of a Game 5 tonight. And I don't know whether to be excited I don't know whether to be nervous. I don't know whether to piss my pants. I'm so nervous <laughs> or i I don't know what to expect in this game because this series has been ridiculous, man. and <laughs> again, I thought the least were done after game three and then with what happened in game four, I was like, yeah, this is over and then the least pull off something and I'm like, so this is what it feels like to be on the other end. I can't believe it yeah <laughs> yeah, this, this whole series. Has been a crapshoot from the start. There was no decisive winner from this, and it's even still who the hell wins Game Five at this point with how these games have played out because shutouts and back-to-back games, and then both teams point three-goal leads and losing it overtime the next two games. Who the hell comes out of Game Five?
1: Yeah, uh, this this series okay so we, we all know that I have a uh, distaste for anything Toronto believes <laughs> but man this series has been fun to watch
0: yeah speak the for yourself
1: storylines <laughs> that have come out of this series it, you know I, you can't pay for stories this good and it I know on um, Friday night uh, when we were watching the game, Jeff was like, I'm done. There was four minutes left in the game. He's like, I don't even want to watch anymore. Like, let's just throw on a movie. So I went on Netflix and I threw on a movie because I'm like, they're done. (laughs) We've all seen this story written way too many times. And they're done. And I happened to check uh, the score of the game because I wanted to see what the final ended up being. And I, I looked at him. I'm like, "Turn Netflix off. We got to turn the game back on." And he's like, "What? Yeah, what you're happened?
0: gonna want to see this."
1: He's like, "What happened?" I'm like, "It's tied." You'll see. <laughs> he goes, "Pardon?" It tied? I'm like, "Yeah, I can't believe it either." I'm like, "We need to go back." So we're like rewinding on, the, on the on uh, sports. And I'm like, "How did this happen? <laughs> what happened?" And you know, we we obviously got to watch it play out. And I'm like if Toronto played with that much intensity for more than three minutes, then things would have gone a lot differently in this series. Uh, So far up to this point, what a storyline I said to Jeff, I before uh, overtime started, I said, Austin Matthews is going to score the winner. He's, he's got to score the winner because I think that if he didn't score the winning goal in this game, he needed that like lift I think to his game because he was out there and he was buzzing and he had chances and you know, but just key moment of scoring. I think that for him was huge. And I think that that carries this team. If the team that played in the last three minutes and in overtime shows up tonight, then the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to get past the Columbus blue jackets, in my opinion, without question, uh, which pains me and i actually traveled to ottawa today so my dad is a diehard leafs fan i have not watched a game of this level of importance with him in a long time so we'll be sitting at the bar and watching the game and uh we'll we'll see what happens but one of the storylines again out of this series for me is the play of nick robertson i mean oh my gosh has been unbelievable. Scoring his first NHL goal in the playoff qualifiers—like, you can't write a better story for this kid. And
0: well, I wish I wish that goal wasn't dwarfed by the least blowing a freaking three nothing lead. And Cody Cc scored shorthanded in that game too. I should mention. Yes. Hello. Yeah.
1: It's, <laughs> uh, but this this Nick Robertson storyline really gets me because. It's Jason Spetzler who's out there with him, practicing, practicing those one timers, practicing the shots, spending that extra time with him. And everybody wrote Jason Spezza off, and whether you're not a Leaf fan or not, but I've not heard it so many times, or oh, he's done, he's so old, he needs to pack it up. Jason Spezza was the guy that dropped the gloves on Friday night
0: after being down three, nothing. Right. And what happens next? Yeah,
1: (laughs) exactly. So that doesn't
0: drop the gloves. That never happens.
1: Gosh, no, uh, it's been a long time since I've seen Jason drop the gloves and he held his own in that fight and kudos to him. And just the time and energy that he's putting in, obviously to spending time with, with Robertson, uh, he was the guy that went over, got the puck after he scored his first NHL goal, made sure he got that for him. You know what? It's the little things like that that make Jason Spezza the class act that he is. Because I, I I do – I have very strong opinions associated with Jason Spezza because of the time that he spent with the Ottawa Senators and the good that he did both on and off the ice for the community here. I can't say enough good things about him. So uh, – and he – He's been bounced around a little bit in the last little while. So, you know, I think that he, although not going to be your guy that's going to be going out and scoring clutch goals for you, but he is making a difference on this hockey club and and, and kudos to him.
0: All right, let's quickly make our prediction for game five. It's, uh, it's do or die for both teams. It's an elimination game. Only one can survive. Uh, Amanda, give us your scoreline for this game. Who's moving on? To take on the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs.
1: It pains me to say this.
0: Do oh, are you going? Are you going to say what I think you're
1: going to say? I I think that the Toronto Maple Leafs got under the skin of Nick Foligno big time.
0: Yeah, and it showed it after the goal was scored. Yeah. Uh, I was like, sorry, Nick, but uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, you know what? I think that one of two things is going to happen tonight. Either you're going to see a Columbus Blue Jackets team that comes out and shows absolutely no mercy and Nick Foligno leading the charge. Or you're going to see the Toronto Maple Leafs from the last, you know, the overtime period and then the last three minutes of that hockey game. And if that's what happens, I think Toronto moves on from this game. I'm going to take Toronto tonight, which thank God this is recorded because that'll never happen again.
0: (laughs) It's on file now. You can't take it
1: back. You can't take it back. No, no take back.
0: I mean, I'm a Leafs fan. I'm going to go Leafs all the way. And I told you uh, when we made our playoff predictions that the Leafs, I said they were going to win this series in five and it would be in overtime. And, hey, they could easily be 60 minutes away from proving me right or wrong. So we're we're going to find out. It all comes down to one game tonight. Leafs and the Blue Jackets at 8 o'clock tonight. I can't wait. It's, it's going to be... Um, it's gonna be nerve wracking. Definitely gonna have some yep. beers on hand to try and cool me <laughs> down. So we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll see how that turns out tonight. And hopefully, I will see you guys on the other side next week in terms of how this game goes. Let's move on to the final, uh, the second and final conference to wrap up the show. Uh, the Western Conference is officially locked in, Amanda. Uh, The Dallas Stars have completed the comeback. They win in a shootout, so Dallas locks up the third-place spot. The Western Conference is now as follows. Vegas will take on the Chicago Blackhawks. Colorado will take on Arizona. Dallas will play the Calgary Flames. And St. Louis will uh, hold the fourth-place spot. They'll take on the Vancouver Canucks. But let's talk about the qualifier series, and let's talk about one hell of a stunner. I mean, no one could have predicted this. Just like Pittsburgh and Montreal. No one saw this coming. The Chicago Blackhawks knock out the host bubble team, the e- the e- the Edmonton Oilers. The Edmonton Oilers 3 games to 1. Game 1 was the Dominic Kubalik show to say the least. He had a 5-point game, the first player in NHL history to score 5 points in his Stanley Cup playoff debut, uh, just a hell of a performance for him, and he was fantastic. Edmonton would bounce back big time in Game Two with a six-three win, but then again, it was all Chicago from there. Both games were one-goal games. Chicago would win Game Three, four to three, and then Game Four to finish it off, three to two. Amanda, no, one, I don't think anyone besides Chicago fans could have predicted this. Maybe some Oilers fans might have predicted this. But the fact that a team like Chicago, much like Montreal, had no business being in the playoffs, pulled off the impossible, and they're now going to have to take on the Vegas Golden Knights in the first round of the playoffs. Um, I'm going to ask you quite simply. um, What the hell happened to the Edmonton Oilers?
1: (sighs) Yeah. Oh my gosh! I feel like I've like stalled after you've answered so many questions.
0: <laughs> Much like the Edmonton Oilers stalled,
1: right? Exactly <laughs> because when you look at the the stats from that qualifier, Connor McDavid is number one for points in the NHL from the qualifiers. Ryan Nugent-Hopkins is third. Like Leon Dreisler was fifth. We're not seeing... It's not like this team didn't come out and produce. Just Chicago, man, oh man, did they ever outplay them. And I think that Connor McDavid was a very frustrated Connor McDavid in this oh, series. Oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah. You can yeah. see it on the bench when they were eliminated. Yeah. He was... I, I I. I. hate to say this, but he was pissed. He, he was. And <laughs> He's done with this.
1: Rightfully so, because... The Edmonton Oilers, when you look at their lineup, this is not a team that should be losing to the 12th place Chicago Blackhawks.
0: No, on they, paper, this team no. should have taken them out in three games. Yeah,
1: yeah, and uh, the argument can be said for the Pittsburgh Penguins and the, and the Montreal Canadiens. you got two 5th yeah, well. place teams that are eliminated by the 12th place teams. 12th place teams that were you know, sniffing at the playoffs. This was not what should have happened. It's what happened. And Edmonton, you got to go back to the drawing board because this oh, isn't yeah. working. This is not working. Nope. Your whatever's going on here. It's not, it's not coming together because, and especially to have, you know, one, three, five, as your, your top in the NHL on your team. And you still come out of this on the losing side of things trade everything yeah, let's let's blow look it up yeah let's look at the big picture here
0: uh, you you brought up the you brought up the stats mcdavid with nine points in four games he was stupid good he had a hat trick uh in in one of the games and he was absolutely ridiculous Nugent hopkins i think that was the best we will ever see from him in the playoffs Eight points in four games. What the hell, man? Eight points in four
1: games, but he was a minus two. That's crazy
0: for Ryan Nugent Hopkins.
1: Yeah, but a minus two.
0: And then Drysaddle, of course, six points in four games. Neal had three points in four games. I think the biggest problem for Edmonton was their defense. Bear struggled. Cassian was struggling. Nurse was freaking struggling. Smith was a freaking nightmare 11.31 goals against average Amanda what the hell is that there is no excuse for this team besides their goaltending
1: it's not it's terrible it's not good enough for sure for the qualifiers but that is not good enough for the Edmonton Oilers and they cannot be satisfied with what happened there's absolutely not yeah
0: no you have to you need to blow it up Miko Koskinen, you can maybe keep as a backup, but Mike Smith is gone after this disastrous performance in the qualifiers. You put up terrible numbers like that? Are you kidding me? And this is the guy they went with in Game 1, and he got embarrassed. Yeah, you deserve the loss, Mike. I don't care if you're a former Wolf or not. You sucked hearts. You were terrible in this entire playoff series. He's not in Edmonton next year, and if he is the Oilers may as well not make the playoffs next year to begin with because this is not a group that should go very far. I mean, obviously minus, obviously, their great offense. Defensively and goal
1: wise this team sucks. It's not good enough. It just isn't. And not to take away from how the Chicago Blackhawks played in, in this qualifier. Absolutely not. They were great. They, they were great, but Edmonton... I mean, like,
0: what the hell, man? Yeah. yeah.
1: (laughs) That's really the best way to put it because this is a hockey club that is built around the firepower up front, but they've been, they have some of the pieces I think that they need to be a successful hockey club, but yet for some reason, it, that back end is just not coming together. And, and it shows based on what has happened and you know what if you want to have uh, a winning hockey mentality and a winning hockey environment then goaltending and your decor have got to be better they have to absolutely
0: be. looking at the other side of uh of this little qualifier series is the winner that will be moving on to the stanley cup playoffs the chicago blackhawks We'll be taking on the number one seed, Vegas Golden Knights. God bless them, man. Good luck with that. Uh, Jonathan Tase was Jonathan Tase. Seven points in yeah. four games. Dominic Kubelik was stellar. Three goals, three assists. Ole Matta was one hell of a surprise. Four points in four games and was a plus four. Patrick Kane was freaking Patrick Kane. Duncan Keith was freaking Duncan Keith. Kirby Dock was fantastic. He was setting up plays left, right, and center. Uh, Brandon Saad was great. Slater Cuckoo, I thought, was a tremendous surprise. The Brink Cat was great. And Corey Crawford. I mean, despite the stat line after this, yes, he gave up a lot of goals. But Corey Crawford knows a thing or two about winning Stanley Cups. Um, And he was not predicted to be the starter going into this this series because he had uh, contracted COVID and there was a chance that he would not come back. And then next thing you know, poof, here he is. And he's definitely part of the reason why Chicago even won this series. And for the Blackhawks, this is a really great storyline for them. Uh, Having a nightmare of a season, your season gets shut down, you come back, you dominate the Oilers in their own building. Whoever said home ice advantage was a the thing, they dominate them in their own building and they embarrass a, a, an elite forward group with guys like Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl leading the way. You dominate this team. You make them look silly and now you're moving on. And I I know people are going to say Montreal's a Cinderella story, but I think the Blackhawks are the true underdogs going into the first round of the playoffs.
1: It, the way that Chicago approached this and, you know, the shutdown of the season could not have come at a better time, I don't think, for the Chicago Blackhawks uh, and and the restart happening when it did. These guys came in laser focused. This is a testament to the leadership group on this hockey club and what they are able to do. Because when you look at, obviously, the roster of of the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, a 12th place finish just isn't where you would expect them to be. Uh, And the guys that they need to show up are showing up. The guys that are in supporting roles on this hockey club are doing what they need to do. And then you've got goaltending, which obviously was questionable coming into this. And yeah, okay, that these were some high scoring games, but this was a hockey club that, that was just determined right from the get-go. And like, you look at a guy like Kubelik and he had a great season. There's no question. Uh, you know, he had 46 points in, in 68 games. And then you look at, Playoffs, okay. This is his first crack at at playoffs, and yeah, he's making it count. We'll we'll give him that. I think he's he's definitely coming to compete. And you know, we were texting back and forth. And we're like, this isn't the same guy we saw. <laughs> <laughs> Given he is a bit older, he's got some more experience under his belt. But uh, man, oh man, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, and really. When you match them up against the Vegas Golden Knights, given what we've seen as far as stats are concerned for goals for, goals against, this could be one heck of an interesting series.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, When you look at Vegas's, I, I guess we can call it success in the round robins, but again, they struggled with their defense. Mark Stone led the way for them. Uh, in terms of offense with 5 points in 3 games, Shea Theodore, uh, the top defenseman on the team, and then of course you have the goaltending battle between Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury, which is very interesting because Fleury is getting up there in age. He, I hate to say it, but he's coming towards the end of his career. He's definitely on the tail end at this point. I think Robin Leonard's going to be the starter moving forward for Vegas, and I think that can really be the key Achilles heel for the Blackhawks moving forward, but Regardless of those thoughts, uh, Amanda. Now that we know the, fi- we can't give our predictions in terms of the Eastern Conference because uh, I think we mostly have, but it's not finalized yet. Um, between Vegas and Chicago, quickly, who do you see coming out of this series?
1: I think that Chicago has an honest shot at beating at beating Vegas, and I say that because you've got a Vegas team that has a decor that is not playing to the level of what they need to be playing at, even though there was success, obviously, in that round-robin play. But then you've got Chicago that saw the same weakness out of the Edmonton Oilers and took control of that qualifier series with you know, that intent of looking at where there was weak spots on that roster, and it was on D and N- N- Nett. Now, obviously, Vegas is, I, I believe, stronger in net than, than Edmonton was, without question. Uh, but I think that Chicago has an honest chance at showing up and playing very well against Vegas because the strengths and the weaknesses of each team, I think they're going to capitalize on, on on that. And I think that Chicago could potentially upset the Vegas Golden Knights.
0: Okay, uh, we'll, well, actually, here's what we'll do. We'll save the predictions for the end of the episode, so we'll quickly go through. I'll say who you think will win. We'll say how many games, but uh, we'll save that for the end of the episode. Let's move on to the next series that we know is finalized, the Colorado Avalanche and the Arizona Coyotes. Arizona knocking out the National Predators, surprisingly, in four games. Arizona would win game 1-4-3. Nashville would win the next game 4-2. But then from there, it was all Arizona. Game 3 was a 4-1 victory. And then in overtime, Arizona would win that game 4 in the series clincher. Four uh, goals to three. So we have our second series set up between the Colorado Avalanche and Arizona. We'll give our predictions at the end of this episode. But let's talk about Arizona and that playoff series Arizona heading to the playoffs for the first time in quite a while, I believe since 20 uh, I want to say 2016, but I think I'm incorrect. Uh, but good on Arizona getting over that hump, finally making it back into the playoffs. You're giving your fans and your management something to hope for, and I guess you could say John Jacob died for this. So moving forward, Amanda, you look at the way Arizona played in this series, much different than what we've seen in Coyotes past. They came to dominate. Uh, this playoff uh, Or I guess you could say Qualifying series and for the most part They did Clayton Keller was fantastic uh, Him and Phil Kessel Oliver ekman Larson and Taylor Hall each with Four points ekman Larson was fantastic Defensively so was uh, Clayton Keller But the show And the real talk of this series was Darcy Kemper he absolutely Stole the show for the Arizona Coyotes uh, Just for Nashville I just personally think They got outmatched and Really, in my honest opinion, I'm not surprised Arizona won this series.
1: I, uh, You know what? I called this one right from the get-go. I said that it was going to be Arizona over um, the Nashville Predators, and I was right, so I feel good about this one.
0: Uh, yeah, brag about it a little one- bit more, why don't you? Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: but I think Arizona just outplayed the Nashville Predators, and it was a situation, again, where I think that the key guys, again, that needed to show up just showed up. And that was so instrumental in, I think, the Coyotes uh, taking this series. And, you know, Nashville, they I didn't really feel like Nashville played their best hockey. Uh, and I no. think if they would look at, you know, how they were in this um, this qualifier that I think that they would concur with that. And, you know, to have Brad Richardson score the OT winner to send Arizona to, to the, the first round of the playoffs, I think, you know, it just, it capped this series in a, in a great way.
0: Mm -hmm. And again, great for Arizona to get past this point and they'll be taking on a, uh, pretty tough team in the Colorado Avalanche. And, um, I, I think I already know who's going to win that series, but I said we'd save that for the end. Uh, but for Arizona, this is a big stepping stone for them, and this is a real chance for them to prove themselves. Uh, moving forward, and f- the final are... Pardon me, the second last uh, of these uh, playoff matchups in the Western Conference. Vancouver knocking out Minnesota three games to one. Minnesota, though, looked very strong in game one, shutting out Vancouver. Uh, but from then on... It was essentially all Vancouver. They would win game two, four, three. Uh, Game three was a three-nothing shot. And then in overtime in game four, uh, Tenov was the hero scoring the overtime winner to send Vancouver back to the playoffs. And for the Canucks, obviously, they have great offense in Brock Besser and Elias Pedersen, just to name a couple of those players. And in goal, Jacob Markstrom was doing Jacob Markstrom stuff. And he was definitely the backbone for that team's defense for the most part. And for Vancouver, it's going to be a tough test ahead of them in the defending champion St. Louis blues. Uh, but for Vancouver, Amanda, obviously really good performance in the qualifying rounds. And I'm, I, I picked Vancouver over, over Minnesota easily. And I'm not surprised Vancouver took the series.
1: I, neither am I. I. I'm not. I think that this was, uh, another one. <laughs> of course I'm questioning. I should have wrote down what my picks were when we did this the last, uh, last week. Cause I, as the games were happening i'm like who did i pick again (laughs) maybe i was wrong i think i need to go back and revisit some of these but if you look at the stats for vancouver your top point producer for vancouver was a defenseman in quinn hughes 20 years old he was crazy. right so that i think that plays a role in why the Vancouver Canucks were successful in, in this qualifier was because of the play of guys like Quinn Hughes, because, you know, 20 years old and, and you're the leading scorer and you're a D guy for the Vancouver Canucks, man, that says something about, about this group. And, You know Minnesota just looked outmatched in every single game. They looked Uh, dead in
0: the water from the moment the puck dropped on game two.
1: They did, and you know what? They're they're also looking for tea times at this point with the Pittsburgh Penguins.
0: So, sorry Marcus, but you're coming home early, buddy.
1: Yeah, Uh, which is too bad, right? Because
0: yeah, man, it is.
1: But um, Minnesota just they. They were not in this series. They just weren't. I think that's the simplest way to, to explain this, is that when you looked at these games, the the urgency, the the fire, the, the passion, it, it wasn't there for Minnesota. I, I didn't Mm-mm. see it.
0: No, absolutely not. And, I mean, you think about the players that Minnesota had. Like, yeah, they looked great in game one. But, again, after that, they looked dead in the water from then on out. And it was definitely all Canucks afterwards. And the final series that we'll talk about, of course, was the Calgary-Winnipeg series. In Game 1, fireworks from the minute the puck dropped. And obviously the big talking point was Mark Shifley going down to injury. Same with Patrick Lani. They were both up for the rest of the series. Uh, Calgary went on to win Game 1 by a score four 4-1. Winnipeg would bounce back 3-2. But Calgary just dominated the rest of the way, outscoring them 10-2 in games 3 and 4 combined, 6-2 and 4-0 victories in those games. And again, I have to say, Amanda, I-, I picked Winnipeg to win this series. I was wrong, but no one could have predicted Shifley and Lonnie to fall down to injuries in the snap of a finger. Um, And I mean, that really shows how different Winnipeg really was without their top goal scorers and again, they also didn't have Brian little in this series either. So that didn't help very much either. But when you lose a guy like Shifley and Lon, then that's it. You're in big trouble. And unfortunately for the Winnipeg, it's an early exit and it's back to the drawing board, uh, for Paul Maurice and company.
1: Well, and I think he said something along the lines. Once this series was done was that it was this feeling of emptiness, right? and, I picked Winnipeg to win. I I didn't think Calgary had a shot in this series. And quite honestly, when Winnipeg came back out in game two and had that bounce back win without those key guys, I thought, okay, they figured it out. They're going to make it work. It's not a great situation for, for the Winnipeg jets, but it's okay. It'll be fine. And then game three, game four, and that was it. And the wind got sucked out of the sails of the Winnipeg Jets mm-hmm. uh, very early, obviously with going with having two key guys going down to injury. Um, then there was all this hot topic debate about Shifley and Kachuk, and uh, it just went on and on. And I don't <laughs> think that that play was Would dirty at all. Uh, <clears throat> I think that that was a, a clean play. Uh, there was yeah. no intent to injure Um at least that's my opinion, but uh, no, I, agree. I think that in this case, the Winnipeg Jets needed to be a much more resilient budge than they were. And this is where they fell short. And yeah. this is, this is not the Winnipeg Jets that I was expecting to come out and, and see play. Um, yeah. Hellebuck wasn't, the The player that I think that Winnipeg needed.
0: I mean, he did his part, but when you lose your offense, what the hell else are you gonna do? Especially with a young defensive core like they have. Exactly,
1: you need a guy that can come in and steal games for you. And in this case, because of everything else, you know, when you're faced with obviously overcoming adversity like losing, you know, two of your top guys, plus with Brian Little already being out. You need you need your goalie to steal a game or two for you, and it didn't happen. And I'm not saying that this is on him. I'm in no way implying that this is on him. Yeah, But I think that in order for Winnipeg to have a shot after uh, Shifley and Laney, I always mess up his last name. <laughs> Could you please say it for me? Patrick. <laughs> Lonnie. Thank you. Now I will move on. <laughs> I think that after those guys went down, Hallibuck needed to be at a different level and it just didn't come together. And yeah. unfortunately, the Winnipeg Jets have a much extended season that I think that they were anticipating because I think that this was a hockey club that thought that, you know, we've got this and they didn't. <laughs> They just did
0: not. Yeah. They definitely failed to live up to expectations. But again, the injuries definitely didn't help them. So unfortunately for them, it is back to the drawing board for next season. Amanda, it's time to wrap up this episode. But before we do that, we need to give our ever so now infamous hot takes (laughs) on who's going to win their first round series. Let's start in the Eastern conference. Now, obviously there's one series uh, that we do not know yet, but we will get to that in just a minute. Philadelphia and Montreal so here's what we're going to do I'm going to give you the series you give me who wins the series and in how many games sounds good
1: sounds good
0: all right so let's start with the uh Philadelphia Flyers and Montreal Canadiens. I have Montreal in five what's your pick uh
1: I'm gonna go Montreal in six
0: really Hey? Eh? Yes. wow the hot takes are in common here we go <laughs> uh now uh the one series we don't know yet is of course who tampa bay will be taking on but here's how we'll do it we'll give our predictions whether tampa takes on columbus or toronto so we're going to do both of these series let's start if tampa bay plays the columbus blue jackets i am going to give it to tampa bay and i'm going to say tampa bay in six who do you give it to if the lightning were to play the blue jackets
1: tampa bay in five
0: in five all right i'm also writing this down so this will make it a lot easier to access now if the lightning were to play the leafs as much as i want toronto to win i can't help but feel like tampa bay will take this and i think uh tampa will actually take this in six okay
1: i hope you're sitting down right now
0: <laughs> oh boy another hot take in coming
1: i think if toronto makes it out of the game tonight. And they face Tampa. I think Toronto actually will take that series in seven.
0: In seven. Wow. Yeah. You know what? I, I'm actually going to change my pick. I probably shouldn't go back on it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but. You, I'm, I'm taking in consideration. If Tampa doesn't have Steven Stamkos. Then Toronto could very well win this series. Um. I, I still see Tampa possibly winning the series, but I'm going to give it to Toronto in six instead. Okay. Uh, All right. Washington Capitals versus the New York Rangers. Uh, I think I already know who your pick is, so I'll put Washington in four. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to give it to the Islanders, and I'm going to say Islanders in six. Uh,
1: I think that... The deciding factor in this series is going to be whether Ovechkin decides to play hockey. Are or... you still
0: giving? Are you still giving it the <laughs> the same prediction that you said earlier? Washington in five.
1: I I think I'm going to go Washington in five. Yeah.
0: Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, final Eastern Conference matchup: the Boston Bruins and the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, I'm going to say Carolina gets over the hump, and they're going to do it in five games.
1: Ooh, ah. Uh... I am going to go Carolina in six.
0: It's six. Okay, so one extra game. Uh, Moving on to the Western Conference, Vegas versus Chicago. I think, honestly, I got to say, Robin Leonard, if anyone knows the Chicago Blackhawks, it's Robin Leonard. I'm going to say Vegas sweeps this series. Ooh.
1: Yeah. I'm not giving giving Chicago a chance
0: in this one. I'm sorry. I, I can't. I, mean, I, w-
1: <laughs> I want to I I think Vegas is going to win, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go on the other end of this. I think Chicago has a legitimate shot of beating Vegas, so I'm gonna go Chicago in six.
0: Okay, so you're going to the opposite end. I say Vegas in four, Chicago in six for Mr. Kowski. Colorado and Arizona. Now I'm gonna give the Coyotes a fair shake, um, kind of sorta. Um, you know what? I'm going to say Colorado takes this game in... I'm going to say Colorado in six. Uh, I, I just think they're the better team going forward. The offensive core is definitely all there. Um... I, I was going to say Colorado in five initially, but I, again, I think Arizona has a fair chance. They could prove wrong and they can just totally flop in four games, but I'm going to give them a fair chance. But Colorado takes the series in six.
1: I would love to see Arizona take this in seven. Uh, but the realist in me says Colorado in six.
0: So you're saying Colorado in six as well. All right. Yeah. We're on the same page. Dallas and Calgary. now. uh, obviously Dallas pulling off the big comeback today to secure the third place spot. But with what Calgary has right now and Dallas lacking, uh, goal support, I think Calgary is going to make this an easy series for them. I'm going to say flames in five.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh-
0: There's no way the flames blow this. There's just no way with how dominant and aggressive. They were against Winnipeg. Um, Dallas just has been struggling to find goal scoring here in the playoffs so far. So I think this is going to be an easy series for Calgary.
1: I'm going to go Dallas in six.
0: Really? Yeah. (laughs) All right. I like it. I like it. Uh, And the final series, St. Louis blues and the Vancouver Canucks. Now I have a friend who is a diehard blues fan. I got to tell you when they won the cup, he was ridiculously happy and I was like, so what's happiness like? <laughs> <laughs> and he said it was fantastic. Um, As much as I support the Blues, I think Vancouver is going to push forward in this. I think this series goes the distance. I think it's going to be Vancouver in seven. I'm going to put my money down on this and say that Vancouver wins game seven in overtime.
1: Wow. Okay. I, I'm picking Vancouver, but I only give them till game five. I think they're going to get this done in five.
0: That quickly, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Said, All right.
1: I said at the beginning, even when we did this uh, last week and we, we talked about predictions and stuff and I, St. Louis is not going to repeat this year. And no, I,
0: absolutely not. I
1: do not see them getting out of that first round.
0: I, I, I still see them having a fair chance, but I just think it's going to be, I, I just don't think they're going to get out of the first round. That's just my opinion. So we have our picks locked in. Uh, Philadelphia, Montreal, I have Philly in 5, Amanda, Montreal in 6. If Columbus were to play Tampa, uh, we would both have Tampa Bay taking that series, myself in 6, Amanda saying in 5. If Tampa takes on Toronto, myself and Amanda believe that Toronto will take care of that series, myself saying 6. Amanda says 7 for Washington, New York, we're on different pages, I say New York in 6, Washington in 5 for Mr. Kalski. We both think Carolina will take up Boston. I think in five, Amanda in six, uh, for Vegas to Chicago, totally different pages. I say Vegas goes for the series sweep Chicago in six for Amanda. Uh, we both agree. Colorado will take out Arizona in six Dallas and Calgary. We're both on different pages. Again, <laughs> I say Calgary and five, Amanda says Dallas in six and for St. Louis and Vancouver. We both agree. Vancouver takes this series. Amanda says in five, I say Vancouver takes it to game seven and wins. In overtime. So our picks are locked in once again. We'll see which of us is right. Which of us is wrong. We'll see if both of us are right. Or both of us are wrong. But it's going to be interesting to see how the first round plays out. And of course. uh, We will recap. um, You know obviously. The Leafs game tonight. That's supposed to be happening tonight at the time of this recording. And we'll obviously talk about the games that have already transpired. In round one. And I think this is going to be one hell of a playoffs. It's going to be entertaining whether the Leafs are in it or not. But that is for another episode. Amanda, our longest episode at over two hours. We had a whole hell of a lot to talk about. It's a good thing we both have time on our hands, or this would be uh, this would be a bit of a blubber mouth episode for both of us. But uh, I, I think that you know our picks are bold and brash. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I'm just seeing my TV right now, by the way, for the Leafs, uh, Andreas Johnson has been activated from the injury reserve. No word if he plays tonight. So that's going to be an interesting little bit of tidbit going into tonight's game. So we'll see if Andreas Johnson plays, but that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, Amanda, I I think we covered all the bases. We gave our hot takes, We recap pretty much every series uh, as in-depth as we possibly can without being here for five hours. So, I think this was a really good episode, and I'm looking forward to round one.
1: I am too, and you know what? I'm also looking forward to uh, maybe making a little bit of popcorn tomorrow night to see whose ball drops first and get (laughs) the Lafreniere sweepstakes. I mean, is it not a great time to be alive right now? It's August. It's so much fun. Hockey Uh, matters, and we've got A draft lottery taking place Monday. Man, oh, man. It'll be a great episode again next week.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really looking forward to it. But that is going to do it for episode 16 of the Deep Geeks podcast. I want to thank everyone that has continued to support us through this amazing venture so far. And uh, hopefully you can stick around for the rest of the playoffs because we certainly are. We're going to have a whole lot to talk about, but that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you everyone very much for listening. Make sure you do follow us on all of our streaming platforms, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, on Anchor, or Google Podcasts. We thank you for your continued support. Until next week, she's Amanda Zarkowski. I'm Thomas Marcy saying thank you for listening to episode 16 of the Deep Geeks podcast. And hopefully I will be alive at the end of tonight's game for next week's episode. But until next time, take care and stay safe. Enjoy the, (laughs) I'm sure what's going to be a gone show of a game five between the Leafs and the Blue Jackets. Enjoy the first round. We'll talk to you again next week. And, uh, the Leafs.